Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. It's the blue-white breakdown. Greg Pickle drinking. Um, hopefully that is a non-alcoholic beverage. But if it isn't a non-alcoholic beverage... People, it's the holidays. Yes, it's in the morning. We're taping this on a Wednesday morning, two days before Christmas. I'm Bob Flounders. Penn State concluded its season uh, a couple of days ago at home against <laughs> against the Illinois Fighting Line. I was trying to remember, but we are going to press forward with some blue white podcasts. Greg, I hope you're doing well. And as always, <clears throat> even though Penn State necessarily isn't playing for a little while. That doesn't mean there isn't quite a bit of news to get to. Let's start, Greg, with um, the first in a series of player decisions about whether or not they will be back in 2021. Just remember, people, it was a weird pandemic year, so technically the year did not count in terms of eligibility. That means even seniors who who we thought would not be able to be back could return because this year doesn't count. But, Greg, we're going to start with a, a no-brainer. Pat Frymuth is going to leave Penn State, and he is going to get ready for the 2021 NFL Draft. On a scale of 1 to 10, Greg, and you can't use negative numbers, how surprised were you that Frymuth left? Yeah, Bob, not at all. It's an extra coffee kind of morning. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think that when you know Pat made his decision, it was to the shock of no one. And the fact that he could have made that decision, Bob, obviously uh, the same way Micah Parsons did and not play this year. Conversely, he could have even made this decision after the 2020 or I'm sorry, the 2019 season and entered the 2020 NFL draft. So I thought it meant a lot to this team and he came back. He wins the Big Ten tight end of the year award despite missing. I think it ended up being four games. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, I thought it said a lot about him, Bob, that even after he had the surgery, he could have went on and worked out somewhere else and recovered somewhere else. But there he was for every Penn State game he didn't play in on the sideline, talking to his teammates, talking to Sean Clifford, sharing the input that he saw. Yeah. I thought that said a lot about Pat. He's always been a very insightful guy, even dating back to his recruiting process, a very mature guy. And Penn State fans and Penn State, uh, the team, are going to miss him. But they have a lot of talent behind him. I think that's important to note. And we saw that with Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson after Pat Fryermuth was hurt. So no surprise at all. I guess the biggest surprise is we taped this about 10 a.m. on Wednesday, the 23rd, is that we haven't heard from anybody else yet. And I think we expected to hear from some guys. I probably just jinxed it, and they'll all come out between the time that we post this podcast and the time we finish recording it. But, um, yeah, I mean – I thought we'd hear some more uh, at this point. The only other guy we've heard from is Shane Simmons, who said he's not going to use the extra year of eligibility after finishing his career in pretty strong style um, compared to how it kind of went over the last few years. He fought a lot of injuries. He's going to move on to the business world. And that's all we've heard so far. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be more to come. Maybe these guys just wanted to enjoy uh, the holiday yeah. week with their family. Maybe they are waiting for, in the case of some of these juniors, NFL draft advisory board feedback. So we'll see. But it's not the only bit of news, Bob, that we're going to hear from this team in terms of 
not only the NFL draft and guys returning, but also the portal as well. It's going to be an interesting few weeks. Yes. And in case Penn State fans forgot, and they don't really get to see maybe all the stuff we get to see on the sidelines, some of them probably don't check Joe Hermick's photo galleries on Penn Live, and shame on them if they don't. But Joe has a number of pictures of Pat with his right arm in a sling. My hope is that whatever injury he suffered uh, to come back when he could have left school, the, the rehab is quick and it's minor and it won't impact uh, his draft prep too significantly. It doesn't look like it does, but we're not doctors. Um, Greg, two players, I think Penn State fans, we, we talked a little bit about it on Saturday. I think the two biggest names, I think, for Penn State fans as far as will they be back or will they go, um, defensive end Jason Owe, Awe, I always get it wrong, uh, redshirt sophomore, first team All-Big Ten pick as a defensive end, and a third team All-Big Ten choice that has a lot of Penn State fans and himself rankled, Jahan Dotson, the spectacular wideout return man, who you probably could say was maybe a top two or top three receiver in the Big Ten, um, had a very, very nice uh, close to the end of his season against Illinois. We're waiting on word from them. Uh, we talked about it after the, after the game Saturday night, Greg. Have you changed your stance on either one of those two? Do you expect um, either one of those two to be back, or do you think there's one that has a better chance of coming back than another? Yeah, I well, I guess let me start with the Jahan Dotson third team stuff. I mean, this was such a good year for receivers in the Big Ten. It's yeah, unfortunate it because he was very much overshadowed, didn't make the AP uh, first or second team. Again, it was a very good year for receivers in the Big what? Ten. You can easily make the argument that he was uh, among the top in the in the uh, Big Ten this year. He was on my AP ballot, but that wasn't enough to get him in on either of those teams. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at both of those guys, the fact that they haven't said anything yet, I mean, maybe they're just waiting it out and they want to wait till the new year or wait to wait till after the holidays. I guess that's a possibility. But it also makes me wonder if they are getting uh, some feedback from the NFL Draft Advisory Board. And maybe they said to James Franklin, you know what, coach, we'll wait until we get that information to uh, to make a final decision. And then the other factor is, you know, James always talks about and we didn't talk about this after the Illinois game, but. Remember, he always talks about the fact that he meets with these parents and these players and gives them kind of a big presentation overview of what right. he's receiving from NFL scouts, people in the business, other people within the Penn State program. And I just wonder if they were able to do that this year, Bob. I mean, I know obviously they couldn't do it in person, but if everyone was kind of scrambling to get home and be with their families and quarantine or test or do whatever they have to do. I just wonder if some of that stuff has been delayed and perhaps James is saying, Hey, look guys, let's get through these next couple of days this week and we'll get together next week. So I don't know. Um, you know, like I said, obviously it's not out of the realm of possibility that these announcements could come before Christmas on Friday, but I just have to think at this point, we're still in a waiting period. I do think both guys still go to the NFL draft when all is said and done, but I guess the wait does give you a little bit more pause than we had after the uh, the Illinois game. Okay, and just real quick, unless the NFL changes their rules this year because of the pandemic, uh, typically I think January 15th is the cutoff date for uh, underclassmen to make a decision on will they stay or will they go. I don't know if it's any different this year, but if it is January 15th, just keep in mind, Penn State fans, that uh, the players have a significant amount of time uh, to make their decisions. Greg did probably jinx it for Penn Live by talking openly and wondering why two players 
haven't announced. I'm, I'm sure they're going to announce at 3 p.m. on Wednesday, just as we're putting the finishing touches on the production end of this podcast. Greg, let's get to some Penn State player news um, uh, in terms of a player addition. You know, last Tuesday, or two Tuesdays ago, James Franklin talked about essentially how he wants his, his program <clears throat> and his coaching staff to attack the transfer market, the transfer portal market, a little bit more vigorously, make it a bigger priority, save some scholarships, not, not put all 85 in the basket of the high school uh, recruits or the JUCO recruits. <clears throat> and lo and behold, a few days after they finish off their season against the Illini, it looks like Penn State has, has, has landed a, I guess it's a transfer, transfer portal player. It is a three-star athlete from the Baylor Bears. Do I have that right? You do, Bob. It's John Lovett, uh, who was a guy that Penn State offered in the class of 2017, had a good relationship with, didn't ultimately close the deal there. That was the year that they took Journey Brown pretty late in the process. And I'm hard-pressed to believe that if John, John, if, if Lovett came to Penn State, I'm not sure if Penn State would have taken Journey Brown. They still may have, but it may have looked a lot different in State College the last few years otherwise. So that's one note there. But, yeah, I mean, it brings a veteran presence into Penn State's running back room, which, of course, they lost when Journey had to medically retire. I'm sure he'll be around the team still moving forward, but he won't obviously be on the field unless – there's some kind of second opinion or something that would come out and change that diagnosis, which I don't think is going to happen. So gives Penn state another body there. It protects them against what really hurt them this year is that injury. You know, that room looks loaded. You lose Ricky Slade to the transfer portal. Journey Brown has to medically retire. Noah Kane's done after week one. That's the second year in a row. Now he's had to miss a number of games due to injury. So I think you have to start wondering if he's a guy who's going to complete a full season uh, at Penn State or if this is going to be an unfortunate thing that pops up for him every year because he's tremendous when he's on the field so I think it protects against that it doesn't take a scholarship away from your class of 2022 because he's only going to be on campus for a year so I think there's a lot of things that make sense about this maybe they can get him in the passing game some he did a lot of different things for Baylor before this year when uh, for whatever reason he was kind of phased out down the stretch in that offense considering Baylor basically fired all of its coaching staff I think you can wonder why uh, maybe that was a mistake to get rid of you know to phase out a guy who was their leading rusher the couple of years before so yeah I think it's a good get for Penn State again it, to get a veteran in that room and kind of be able to not that those guys all need showed the ropes but you know Devin Ford missed some time this year too uh, for you know a family uh, death in the family and then uh, we believed that he was banged up in the Rutgers game and that forced him to miss the, the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good move and it's not the only transfer portal addition Penn State's going to make. They're going to look at really, I would think every position. I know that James <laughs> talked about defensive back. He talked about the lines. Obviously, I think end is a place they need to look anywhere on the offensive line. There's a kid, Eric Wilson, who our colleagues down at AL.com reported is Looking at talking to Penn State after not signing with Auburn, he's a transfer from Harvard. Uh, so he's been a year off the field now for a year, but was a very good player for them, made some of the watch list and all American teams, all conference teams and all that. So we'll keep an eye on him, LSU and Florida State also in play there in addition to Auburn and Penn State. So names will keep popping up, Bob. That's the amazing thing about the portal, you know. Every day when you watch on social media, there's 15, 20, 25 guys that are going into the portal. I don't know how they're all going to find homes. I don't know how they're all going to uh, 
you know, find a scholarship that they may have left behind in another program, but it is what it is. Uh, Lovett will be immediately eligible because he's a grad transfer, but they're expecting to pass that. Everyone gets a one-time free transfer rule next early next year. So everyone in the portal is probably going to be eligible to play right away. So Penn State has a lot of work to do. Obviously, everyone wants to talk about, are they going to find a quarterback? Are they going to look for a quarterback? And yeah, I think they'll evaluate all those guys. I think they'll evaluate every position. The only one that doesn't make a ton of sense to look at, I think, is tight end because they're pretty well stocked there. But if there's somebody that you recruited as an underclassman and comes in and adds depth to that room, that's even a possibility. So I think we'll see not only more additions for Penn State, but Bob, you know as well as I do, at some point here, we are going to see some uh, guys leave through the portal as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get to some quick hitters. Uh, Greg, um, is there a chance that Penn State safeties coach Tim Banks is under legit consideration for the Michigan defensive coordinator job that Don, they just, I think this Michigan just announced that their veteran DC who gets got paid a lot of money. Don Brown is not going to be back in 2021. Obviously <clears throat> Michigan, the last couple of years defensively, just, uh, just, they haven't gotten the job done. They, they weren't, they weren't very good, obviously during the pandemic year, they weren't that great in 2019. I don't think defensively either. Um, there's been a couple of candidates mentioned, I think in, in, in conjunction with that job, one of them, one name that keeps popping up is Tim Banks. Um, does that surprise you? Perhaps a little bit, Bob. I mean, it really, I think depends on what Jim Harbaugh thinks his long-term outlook is there. I mean, Tim Banks obviously crushed the state of Michigan for Penn state in the class of 2021. They signed four guys out of there and were in the mix with a number of other guys. So, you know, obviously he's called plays before he was the co-defensive coordinator, like he is at Penn state at Illinois. I don't recall if he had play calling duties there for the full time he was there or not, but he was central Michigan's defensive coordinator. I mean, he's been in the profession long enough that he certainly has earned a full-time play calling job, but I think it's just a matter of what way does Harbaugh want to go. I don't think Tim Banks is necessarily a splash hire, but he could be a very good, solid hire for that Michigan program. And we've seen uh, that Jim Harbaugh is not afraid to look at ex-Penn State assistant coaches because let's not forget Josh Gaddis is still there calling plays. So uh, I think he's probably a legitimate candidate. I don't know how far along Harbaugh is in that hunt. And uh, we don't know what exactly he's looking for, but it seems to me that with his ties to the Midwest, his very good roots in the Detroit area and the fact that he's called defenses before, I certainly think it's logical to call him a candidate. I mean, we've seen this play out on the Penn state side of things before Bob, where you say guy a, B and C are all logical candidates. And James Franklin tends to find guy Z uh, and someone that you know we're not really thinking of. So Tim Banks has kind of become a dark horse candidate for that job. Kind of the guy that, you know, once you get out of the, the high, the big popular name guys and, the, you know, a little bit more under the radar. He seems to be leading that group. So we'll see. Um, I'm sure Harbaugh will want to get that done if he's going to get it done sooner rather than later. So I don't think we'll be waiting a long time to find out. But I, I think there's legitimacy to it. Will it ultimately equal Tim Banks leaving? I don't know. But as we talked about on the postgame show after the Illinois game, if there's going to be movement on Penn State's yeah. coaching staff, it's probably going to be on that side of the ball. So I think that's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. Also, one of the more underrated needs for Penn State in 2021, with or without, with or without Banks, is going to be safety because, um, you know, I think Lamont Wade, I, I don't really know that he's going to be coming back. Uh, and Jaquan Brisker, man, the awards keep uh, coming in 
for him, a lot of, I think a lot of people are enamored with his, his size and his speed and his, his athleticism. I thought the second half of the season, he really played well. I think I just saw somewhere that he was uh, a first team uh, pro football focus all American at the safety position. I think I have that right. I think uh, he's a guy that's got a senior bowl invite coming up. I think if he goes to the combine and tests well, you'll see him be a, a pretty early pick in the 2021 NFL draft. But it begs the question, who, who will be playing safety for Penn State? Because they're going to need two or three of them in 2021. I'm sure Jonathan Sutherland, if he comes back, will be a candidate. But after that, you're, you're, you really don't know kind of what they're going to do. We'll see. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of needs, I think, on the Penn State team in 2021. It's great that they won four in a, four in a row. Um, but they also lost five in a row to start the year. So clearly they are not a finished product. Greg, a question for you not related to Penn State. Will Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney and, uh, and Ryan Day be exchanging Christmas cards in advance of their college football semifinal? Yeah, the answer is a big N-O there, Bob. You know, I... When I saw what Dabo did putting Ohio State at 11 in his coach's poll ballot, and look, we don't know if Dabo has any control over that or not. Who knows? But obviously that made headlines this week. And I can just envision the handshake between him and Ryan Day at the end of that game being very similar to the Bill O'Brien-Tim Beckman yes. exchange uh, back in, uh, you know, back in those times when Tim, Beck- when Tim Beckman had his staff in uh, State College trying to poach Penn State players after the NCAA sanction. So, yeah, that's going to be a little cold. And whoever gets a lead in that game, I, it's going to be fascinating because if anyone gets a, a big, uh, you know, a 10, 14-point lead, they are going to absolutely try and hammer the other side. So that will certainly be interesting to see play out. But, yeah, I, I don't think Christmas cards are in their future, Bob. Yeah, uh, I would say this. Uh, you, you look at Dabo, <clears throat> and uh, I think people outside of the South probably look at him as a country bumpkin. I don't think he is. I think he did that on purpose. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's got a pretty good idea of what he sees from the Ohio State football team. And I think he deliberately wanted to get them riled up for a reason. Uh, Greg, my takeaway from him doing that is uh, he feels really good about his team's chances in the semifinal. We'll see. All I know is last year's game, the semifinal between Ohio State and Clemson was probably the best game I saw uh, all of last year. Ohio State nearly had them beat early in the game. They were up big, and they had some other chances they couldn't convert. And then uh, Clemson came back. Ohio State came back, and it took a great drive, I think, by Trevor Lawrence and the Tigers to win that game late. I think, you know, you, know, you never know what's going to happen. If Trey Sermon <laughs> is still cooking after what he did to the Northwestern defense, maybe the Buckeyes will make – Clemson eat those words, but I don't, I, I don't think there was any mistake. I don't, I don't think Dabo, uh, I think Dabo knew that was going to get out. I think he wanted it to get out. And I think he is definitely playing mind games with the Buckeyes. I'm fascinated to see that's one of two January 1st games. The other one is uh, that I'm not sure I really want to see is Alabama and Notre Dame, but I think it's going to put more eyes on the Clemson uh, Ohio state game. We'll see about that. Greg, uh, we're we're not cl- we're pretty close to wrapping up this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. As we head into Christmas, what else is on your mind with regard, maybe either to Penn State football or maybe the recruiting, the second recruiting signing day coming up? Are there is there any news with Penn State in your mind? Are there are one or two names that you'd really like to see them get, 
or is it still a little early? Uh, we're talking about February for the second signing day. Is it still a little early to kind of identify who the Lions are really after at this point? Yeah, a couple of thoughts, Bob. Um, you know, I think that obviously they're going to push for some guys during that second signing period, but I think that they're not going to reach for anyone. It's going to be, I don't see them going the route where they take someone late. Like, Daquan Hardy always, to me, is kind of the example of that. Like, they took him very late uh, in that traditional signing period, and they uh, they obviously liked what they got out of him. He was a key player for them this year, especially with how thin they were at corner. But, you know, I, I don't know how much you'll do stuff like that moving forward, because if you're going to take a risk on a guy who you think needs to develop and is from the high school ranks, or you think you can get a guy in the transfer portal who knows what a college and has been in a college weight program and a practice and, and been a student athlete and all that, I think you're probably going to go that route more often than not. So we'll see how that changes things for Penn State in the new year. But obviously the name to watch at this point, George Rooks, he's a four-star defensive tackle from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Thought he was going to sign during the early signing period, held off on that. Boston College, Michigan, Penn State are the three teams in the mix at this point in time. And there's no real set timeline for a decision from him. So we'll see. I like Penn State's chances. Don't love them. I think that we've seen too many times in this cycle, they appear to be in the running and in the mix for a guy and maybe even the leader. And then all of a sudden he waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits to decide, and then ends up going to a school that's not Penn State. So I don't think you can put all your eggs in that basket. So, you know, obviously the portal is another place where Penn State is going to be active. As we discussed, names are going to change and come up in there every single day because guys just keep jumping in there. And you never know when a guy who has a good relationship or had a good relationship with Penn State is going to jump in there. So we'll keep an eye on that as we head into the new year. Uh, Two other notes, Bob, tying back to the conversation about the draft. Uh, There's not a date set yet for the declaration. There's an assumption that it'll be the 18th, but the NFL Mm -hmm. has not set that date yet. Similarly, I just saw on Twitter that some agents are complaining that the NFL hasn't even set a date for the combine yet. So that's an interesting uh, aside to all this as well. We'll note that uh, Lamont Wade's apparently going to something called the College Gridiron Showcase, which is going to be in Texas in mid-January. Nice. Um, so even if the combine isn't held, is held, isn't held, isn't in, in his future, is in his future, whatever, um, he's at least going to go there and get an opportunity to showcase and compete and all that. So it's going to be a weird start to the year on a number of fronts. And the lead up to the NFL draft is going to be no different, Bob, because again, you know, there's a lot to figure out in terms of COVID testing and vaccines and how you can do these events that we've done for so long safely and all that. So we'll see how it shakes out. But Uh, I would assume that means Lamont Wade is not going to come back. I don't think anyone was really expecting him to use that extra year of eligibility, but I should probably put that one to bed. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by his kick return ability. I guess that's a story for another day. Um, I believe the, uh, there, the number of lions that have senior bowl invites, I think I have this right. It's four. Greg, tell me if I have the names wrong. Michael Mennett, the center, Tariq Castro fields, the corner, uh, I think Shaka Tony, the defensive end. Interesting to note that Mel Mel uh, Mel Kiper, uh, in his list for the draft, has him as an outside linebacker uh, and not a defensive end. We'll see about that. And then Jaquan Brisker. I think those are the four guys with Senior Bowl invites. Um, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. And also, Greg, real quick, uh, is the number 85 still significant with regard to scholarships for 2021 or? 
in the pandemic age, is that number uh, not set in stone? Does Penn State have another number? I, the reason I ask you is I'm just wondering how many uh, players maybe Penn State could add to the second signing day, but I, I'm just not sure if 85 is set in stone. Yeah, so a couple of thoughts there. We posted Penn State's unofficial scholarship chart uh, today. I have them at 88 right now, Bob. But keep in mind, that includes uh, all the guys who still have to make NFL draft decisions. That includes all the guys who could go into the portal. Let me just say this. That number is going to drop before long. It has to. It always does. It will. So no big deal there. If any senior comes back, he does not count against the 85-man limit. So – you don't got to worry about that if uh, – and just hypothesizing here, picking a name out of, you know, random chance. But if Mike Mennett would say, I want to come back, he would not be an 85-man counter. So that Lions don't have to worry about that. Um, in terms of room, they always have a better idea than we do, Bob. But, I mean, let's just assume that uh, four to six guys enter the NFL draft and or enter the portal. It could be more than that, certainly. Um, but even still, if you have that happen, you're looking at – 84, 82 scholarship players, which gives you room for a handful guys to come back to or come to Penn State, either as 2021 traditional or traditional signing day pickups or the transfer portal. So they look to be in good shape. Obviously, if that number would go higher than that, they would be in even better shape. So uh, I think Penn State fans should feel pretty good about where the scholarship chart is right now. All right, I think we can put a little bow, see what I did there, a little bow on this edition of the Blue-White Breakdown. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. Before we sign off, Greg, a couple of notes. Um, You know, during the Penn State season, we pretty much did the Blue-White Breakdown in some form every day, whether it was was you and I uh, on Tuesdays after James Franklin and after games uh, concluded at Beaver Stadium, or Dave Jones and I on Thursdays. And on, we got a chance to talk after a couple of games or whether it was, uh, you know, Dustin Hawkinsmith giving his daily podcast updates early in the morning. We had you guys covered, I think, on a seven-day-a-week basis in season. Things will change a little bit out of season. Greg and I are roughly planning on, uh, you know, once the holidays clear, maybe meeting with you guys one or two times a week. Um, this is going to be our only podcast, though, of Christmas week, where I think we're going to have one next week as we get ready for the new year. And we know that 2021 will be better than 2020 because I think everyone uh, needs it to be better than 2020. But Greg, just real quick, any insight into your Christmas day plans? How much human food will you give Lola? How big was her, how many presents did you give her? And is she scared of your Christmas tree? She is Lola not- is your golden tree. Yeah, she is not scared of the Christmas tree, Bob. She is a little bit unsure about the... Uh- the other stuff related to Christmas as in sounds like FedEx just showed up and she's up there. Uh, she's, yeah. Up there barking and carrying on. So she's not sure about that part of it. Does appreciate the UPS man who leaves her snacks on the front step. And uh, she has a big carrot to open up on Christmas day and lots of tennis balls. So she'll be good to go, Bob. We hope all of our listeners are too. And uh, yeah, so the new year we'll try and get to two days a week. We're still trying to figure out what that format's going to look like, but uh, we'll know more soon. <laughs> 